We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. It's my honor to get to introduce to you our our guest this morning. If you know Steve and I at all, you know that our hearts are very tender towards missions. And sometimes when you go on the mission field, you get to meet new people. And they're all wonderful, but sometimes you just have an extra special connection with them. And when we went to, we sent our group to Peru. In fact, real quick, like, if you were on the Peru trip, would you please just stand up real quick? If you went on the Peru trip. That's right, everybody. Some of our worship team, yes. They, they went and they did a great job. You saw the pictures. And then a short time later, Steve and I were able to go back. And honestly, whenever I walked into where they stayed, I was like, wow, they stayed at the Ritz-Carlton. Because I'm used to other uh, missions trips with Steve's where it's very bare. But the, it was great. But we got to know this wonderful family. They're precious. Absolutely precious. How long have you been there? 18 years, but you're just now officially a missionary because you just got your cards. So you're just now a missionary. The other 18 will, anyway, they've been practicing. But they're a super young couple. They love the Lord with all their heart. I don't think there's anything anywhere they won't go. They're ready to go. If you say, Steve wants to go back into the jungle, and they're like, let's go. We'll go with you. They're not afraid. They're very bold with their testimony. And we got to love them so much. They are so dear to us. So, David, David Hodges, his wife, Sessie, Cecilia, but Sessie, Steve calls her Sassy. There's a story behind that. They're wonderful. They have three gorgeous sons. Eliel is in the congregation with us. Then Jordan and Jonan. And they're all wonderful. Please, today, they're going to be staying for lunch. Please get to know them. They're special, and they've got an anointing from above. So will you, with me, welcome David, Reverend David Hodges, into our pulpit. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Should I use both of them? <laughs> All right, let's see. All right, you got it. I'll let you turn that down, the hand mic. All right, it is good to be here. I, okay, I don't know if it's good for you guys to be here, but it's definitely good for me to be here. I'm excited. I'm excited to be somewhere that I really feel like home. Like I expected to be very nervous right now. I know you guys, those of you that know me in Peru probably don't think that I ever get nervous, but I do, but I actually feel very comfortable with you guys, so I'm happy, I'm excited. So, all right, well, I want to tell you a little bit about what we do down in Peru. Um, Peru is an open mission field right now. We have from deep tribes that don't even speak Spanish to open pueblos around, around the nation and the high Andes and the low-lying jungles and the outskirts of Lima. And we also have some very closed situations around the different places. So you have a full spectrum of mission fields when you go to Peru. And the mission team got to experience between the mission team and Pastor Steve and Pastor Yvonne. If my voice starts going out, please forgive me. I left it on the cheetah in Bush Gardens this past week. <laughs> That was a whole experience. But when, we were, when, when the team was down in Peru with, pa with Pastor Steve and, and Yvonne and everybody went down, we got to experience different levels of missions. And Hikamarca in Lima, on the outskirts of Lima, two and a half hours from the airport and only about 12 miles. The size of the city is not because of the length, the width, or the breadth. It is because of the traffic. So you have... Nine to ten million people trying to get on these streets that are not well made, trying to get around the city. So that is Lima. So we live on the outskirts of what you would think was Lima, about 12 miles distance from the airport, from downtown. And it is quite an experience to travel. 
on the back side of this desert, which is Lima, we're on the side of a mountain, which you'll get to see some of the pictures in just a minute. We are out there training generations to, to take and represent the gospel, not represent the gospel, to represent the gospel. I believe one of the great um, challenges, uno de los grandes desafíos, I'm, I'm wanting to speak in Spanish right now, so one of the great challenges that we experience in the Western culture is the challenge to represent the gospel. Because everybody's heard something about Jesus. Well, most people have heard something about Jesus. Most people have a perception of church, whether Christian evangelical or Catholic or Roman Catholic in South America. Everybody has a perception of what church is. But how many of you guys know or how many of you guys have ever really thought that our representation of the church is not actually the representation that was given on the day of Acts. How many of you guys have ever thought about that? Yeah, I have a lot, especially since I'm down there trying to do church the old way and then it wasn't really working. And then we got the people out on the street and I challenged them to go to the local markets, go to the local market, just start taking an extra few minutes when you go to the local market, when you go to your local Winn-Dixie or you go to your local Walmart, take a couple of extra minutes to go down there and take time to represent the gospel to somebody. Be the gospel, live the gospel and share the gospel as you're doing those things. And so taking the little bit of extra time and I'm going to have my wife come up in just a moment. I want her to share a couple of testimonies. But one of the things that we found is just by taking a little piece of paper that says something of the Lord, that says something of a promise of the Lord, or we found that somebody that's willing to go out into the marketplace and just take a couple of extra minutes and say, hey, you know what? I want to share something with you. And they share with them what Christ can do in their life. We are living in broken societies, whether in Peru or whether in Tallahassee. It is a broken society because it is broken until they find Jesus because he is the one that came to mend the brokenhearted. Amen. So when we get when we get out there with our church, we get to go out, we get to be in the community and Heritage Church. Christian Heritage Church of Tallahassee was there with us when we began on this new journey. We've only been on this journey of representing the gospel in this way and actively knowing what we're doing for about a year now. And so Christian Heritage Church was there. We got to go into the community. We got to go into two communities, one in front, one beside us. We got to put down gravel. You know, it's, it's just gravel, right? We only put down gravel on the road. That's muddy. And when you walk through it, it just gets all over and it gets in their houses and stinks because the dogs and holds fleas and bugs and germs. And so we only got to do that, right? No, we got to do a whole lot. We got to put in a dry latrine, which that's where you don't have a septic system and you use sawdust to flush. We won't go into the details of how that works. But we got to do all of these different community outreaches and it gave us the chance to get back into the community and begin representing who Christ is, not what the church is, but who Christ is and who Christ came to be through us. And so what we're doing down there in, in Hikamarka. Oh, and by the way, Dr. David Deaton, Dr. D, he said hello. He wanted me to say hello to everybody. Um, he is actually taking care and preaching right now in our church in Hikamarka. So he's down there taking care of the church while we're here in Tallahassee. So what we are doing is we're reaching out to the unsaved. We're teaching the culture of the kingdom. We're not just going out and preaching. We believe that teaching the culture of the kingdom takes time. So we're sending the people out just to live among people. Person-to-person -person evangelism. Life-to-life -life evangelism. I'd love to share with you a couple of messages. How many of you guys will give me five hours to that? No, okay. No, just kidding. Just kidding. But... One of the things that I teach our church is that Jesus got in the boat with Peter. Now, we all know this. We all, we all realize this. But he got in the boat with Peter and went fishing with a vulgar, nasty fisherman. Now, he took three years with this fisherman trying to shape his life, right? Three years. We agreed? I know you guys don't know me. I, I know you're waiting. But say amen to me every once in a mile. <laughs> so he took three <laughs> he took three years with Peter trying to train this nasty, vulgar, stinky fisherman from the village of Galilee. 
And after three years, after his crucifixion, after his resurrection, after he meets with Peter personally, after his resurrection, and he tells the disciples, go to Galilee and wait for me there. So Peter knows he's going to see Jesus, right? Peter knows this. I'm, I'm right, right? He, he has this in mind. He goes and he gets naked on the boat with a bunch of guys. Like he's naked on this boat fishing. Like think about that. I mean, just, just don't think too hard though. But he's on this boat with these guys. And the Bible says that he's naked on the boat and has to cover himself when Jesus finds him. See, that's, that's what I believe the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to get out among the people. Out there where it's, where it's dirty. Out there where people are just being who they are. And be the gospel. And Jesus calls him to him again. After how many times does he have to deal with Peter? And he brings Peter up to the, he calls Peter and Peter jumps out of the boat and goes swimming. He covers himself, swims through the water, gets to Jesus. And after all the time that Jesus spent, Peter, Peter finally got it into his, his brain, finally got it past the brain into the heart, finally got it past the heart into his spirit. When he said, Peter, just feed my sheep. That's all. Just feed my sheep. And that's what I believe that we're down there doing. I don't believe it's, it's this, I, I do believe that it's a great vision, but I don't believe it's something wow and crazy and, and all of this. Like when you guys come down there and it's like, wow, I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm going, it's just doing the gospel. We're just being the gospel. We only get to be representatives of heaven for a short time. So why not live it passionately? Why not do it with everything in us, right? Right? That, say Amen. So come on and let's do it together. I'd like for my wife to come up and share some things with you about what we're, go- what we're doing down there. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. We are just so thankful and so glad and blessed to be part of God's plans for Peru. And talking to some of the people that went to Peru the last time, we were thinking about how God sees the need and he sent according to the need he's sending uh somebody that will fulfill his plans and we're just glad to be part of it and when you hear from the lord saying there is a need here don't think that just have pity about that oh poor people or poor poor person but just know that god is putting that in your heart to fulfill the need and he will use you I remember when we had to go, I, I had to go, by my, not by myself, with Dr. D. I needed to translate for him. We went to the jungle, and that moment my, my husband, is, in that time my husband didn't go with us, but I was so nervous when I went to the jungle because I heard the stories of this tribe, that they were so vicious, and they, don't, they are no grateful people. You can even save their life, and they are no grateful for that if. They just see that you didn't do something right, that they didn't like. They can kill you. And the government can't do anything about it because this tribe is there. They are owners of their lands and everything. Not even the police go in that place. So I told the pastor of the area, would you take me there? And I was very nervous. And so I didn't know how I'm going to talk to these people. We took a translator. And I said, Lord, what am I going to do now? And I remember having this in my purse. This that I took there. And this is from Miss Anne that, with the team that went last time. And they left a bunch of these. So I took it, put this in my purse in Lima. So I traveled to the jungle. So I was shaking and thinking, how am I going to talk to these people? So... I got a, an idea, so when we were knocking at the doors, and I said, could you please grab one of these? And he said, I have a gift for you. And they thought it was going something that they're going to eat, but he said, no. <laughs> but uh, could you please grab some, one of these? So the translator would read it to them. And for my amaze, how God used simple things, everybody that received one of the paper was a special word for this person. Because before I, I will tell them, grab one of these, we will have a little conversation. And I was so thankful how God 
is so true when he says, go to the world and make disciples. At the end, he said, and I will be with you every day. So I, we understand as missionaries that when God sends us somewhere, he doesn't just send you. He said, I will go with you. So he is the one that goes before us. We just need to be obedient. And so when in, in, in Jicamarca, we see, we are seeing amazing things, not just in healing. I, we understand through the time that we are establishing the kingdom of the Lord. Healing is, physical healing is amazing, brings a lot of people in when you see phys, physical healing. But there is a powerful mountain that is even harder than move than a physical healing. And it's the power of forgiveness, the power of the cross, the power of the blood of Jesus in your life. And when we see this young girl, when she come in the church, after a year of serving the Lord, she took a, a ride in a taxi. She was, uh, she was taken, we say kidnapping, she was kidnapping and molested. But in the moment that she was in that taxi, she told the guy, uh, please, in my purse, I have something for you. And he took it, and it was a Christian song, song and he read it, and he stopped and, and dropped her somewhere. When she, she could take a, a, a ride to go back home, crying, begging to somebody to take her and took her back home. We ministered to this girl, and she, she was already a Christian, but the power to forgive this person. So trials and storms will come, but the power of the cross, and you may say, but what that happened to her? Didn't God forgive her? Yeah. Didn't God protect her? Yes. He was protecting her all through and through. We may not understand this, but the power of the cross and the blood of Jesus go beyond our understanding. There is a lady also that she, she came from another church. She grew up in church. She was a pastor daughter. And when she came to church, it was so many issues in her heart. So she kept blaming people, blaming people why she couldn't go beyond. And she started one minister, ministry, then quick because she didn't get along with people, go to another ministry, then quick because she didn't get along to, with the people there. And every time saying, oh, it's because of this, because such and such, such and such, such and such. <laughs> and so ministering to her heart and showing her the kingdom the simple teaching of the kingdom that is not hard to understand is simple. Simple for a child, for an adult, for a professional. It's the same. At the end, I asked her and I said, okay, now I see that you're quick in everything. What is in your mind now? And after talking to her, she said, I just grew up to the concept that I can't keep blaming people for my decisions. It's time for me to grow. And when I see those things, I can see the power of the cross inside the church. Because when we are going, how we are going to evangelize people, yes, through healing, through wonder, and that amazing power that, pe that drones a lot of people, but we see that Jesus started with the Sermon of the Mountain. And that starts in our heart. And that's the, the difficult mountain to move. If we believe that we can forgive, if we believe that God can have the church in unity, there is nothing else left to believe after that. So just with this last thing, so for us to know that it's so that to preach the gospel through 
the power of the cross and the blood of Jesus and tell the people this is the only way. There is no other way. There is no programs. There is no one to make the church nice. There is not other way but just Jesus Christ. We had a situation about years ago when somebody lost a baby, a family lost a baby. And it was daddy's, let's say, fault, but it was an accident. And this mommy forgiving daddy and remake that letting Jesus grow in their heart. And this daddy forgiving himself for what happened. And this happened after a month of being in Christ. And when we see these people saying, what we would do if we wouldn't know about God? What would it be if it wouldn't be for Jesus in our life? So that's why we are there. I think that's why God places there. To show the kingdom, the power of what Jesus did in the cross. Not for us to take any glory. Not for us to make a big building. Not for us to just uh, show amazing wonders through us. We don't floor with the with the uh, the bride, Jesus' bride. We are not too flirting to make them get in love of us. We're just there to take care of God's bride. Now you guys know why we're successful down there. (laughs) So what we're doing right now, what's going on in Peru, is we're reaching out through different ministries. We have what we call creative ministries, and I want to share this so that we can show the video. So in just one moment, we're going to show the video. We have creative ministries such as fitness outreach. So on the church grounds, at this point, it's still on the church grounds until we can fund it in send it somewhere else and get it down closer to the high school. Um, So we're going to be, at some point, we're planning on planting the fitness ministry outside of the church. But for right now, in the church, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we actually have a fitness program that we invite high schoolers to come and lift weights. Um, So we have a barbell club. We do um, some functional fitness, different things, some some military-style fitness We do those kinds of things. We have arts, painting, crafts during the week. We do sewing. Um, At some points, we do some classes for cooking. So there are a lot of ways that the people are just actively, creatively utilizing their talents and their gifts in normal ways to try to reach people from their community. And it is working. It functions. And they're they're gaining... um, Están agarrando cabida. They're gaining ground. They're gaining ground into the community. They're gaining ground into the life of people. They're going into the jungles now. We have three families that are traveling to the jungle on a yearly basis to go and do these kinds of outreaches with family, with couples, with parent teaching every year to this area called Tarapoto. So we're now overseeing an area in Tarapoto with a couple of churches and planting an Iglesia Vida at this point in Tarapoto in one of the pueblos in an area that only have 300 people and 1,000 people. In Ancash at 12,000, 13,000 feet, we're planting another church right now that there's only 300 people in the whole community and they're having on a regular basis 25 of the kids coming every weekend to receive classes and crafts and arts. So things are happening all over Peru. So we need your prayer. So if we could go ahead and show that video so that you guys can have a little visual of what's going on down there.
they take the whole church and just transform it during a whole weekend. And so it just changes completely from a church to a castle or to space or to whatever they're doing for our vacation Bible school. They call it evangelistic explosion. Now we're reaching out in the community and we have uh, this past time we had 150. A time before that there was 200 to 300 kids all packed into our church there in Hikamarka. And so I just want to thank you guys for partnering with us through the different steps that we're taking right now. Thank you for partnering with us, for being with us through all of the different things that are happening in Peru on a, on a national level and on the local level in Hikamarka. So thank you very much for being there with us and sharing with us the, the burden for the people and the call to reach forth with their kingdom. Now I would like to share with you guys, I don't see the clock, so I don't know. I'm good. All right. So I would like to share with you guys a short word that I feel that the Lord has. I was expecting to go one direction, and I feel that I'm swinging another direction, so forgive me for the scriptures back there. We are not going to go with those. Don't you love it when pastors do that to you guys in multimedia? So I believe there's an importance for the church to understand that it's not just the people that are broken, but it is necessary for us as a church to maintain ourselves in a state of brokenness. Now, not a state of brokenheartedness. I'm not speaking of we always need to be sad and depressed. Lord, goodness gracious, we need to ask forgiveness for, for constantly walking in that if that's what we're doing. If we're constantly walking in depression, we need, to, we need to ask some people to help us and be accountable to them. But I'm talking about a brokenness that before the Lord, the church actually begins to allow the Holy Spirit to move through us. You see, when we have a vessel, we, we, we are earthen vessels made of clay, right? How many of you guys are made of mud? All of us. You know, all, we're all just a bunch of dust refabricated and with the breath of life. So we're all just a bunch of mud. So we get to be this bunch of mud with a treasure from the Holy Spirit. We get to have the presence of heaven flowing in and through us. It is an opportunity. It is a privilege. But this privilege comes with the responsibility of being broken before the world, of being broken before our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we have been called to go forth, but not as an alabaster box unbroken. You see, even the woman, even the prostitute, when she came before the Lord, she understood something that a lot of us don't really understand. You see, we come to church on Sundays and we have it all together. We have our suit, we have our tie, we have our CHC on, we, we got it going. So we all spiffy, we all got the curls going in the hair, we, we got the, the nice barbershop cut, we're, we're ready on Sunday. We got the haircut on Saturday, we're going to church on Sunday. So we are ready. Now, I, that, I just did that yesterday, so I, I'm, I'm right there with you guys. So we, we are ready to show how together we got it when we come to church. You see, the funny thing is, is that in the Bible, this is not called the church. You are called the church. And so when we take this word and we, we apply it, then we no longer come to church. We actually come to communitas. We come to a community of believers. So we come together to commune. Forsake not the gathering of yourselves together, Paul said to the church. He said, don't forsake that. We need that. We need the iron sharpens iron moments in our life. We need those moments where we come together and we offend each other. How many of you guys like that? We, we need the multicultural society because multicultural means multi-angles. There's multiple styles of offense that can come, right? Yeah, we like the offense, don't we? No, we don't. No, we don't. We don't like the offense. But it is great to happen as long as we're willing to, as the word says, let our hearts be taken to the Father. If we're willing to allow our heart to be healed through that, then we're actually being honed, as they call, they're honing the sword. 
they're honing in the, the edge of the sword. You see, that, that offense that creates within the body is actually just a preparation for me to be able to give my, my selfishness and my self-centeredness and my self-culture and my self-thoughts and the way that I think about things. Then I can get it out of the way if we're willing to. See, I can place that to the side and I can say, you know what, this, this way that I think, it's not the kingdom. It's my culture. It's what I think. It's my, my way, my form, my, my, my. So we can actually place that to the side. And now Holy Spirit begins to shape us according to his image, right? And, and that's really what he wants to do. He's looking to shape us. He's looking to hone us in. He's wanting that iron to sharpen iron so that when he comes to us and he begins to move through us as he desires to, we no longer have our culture in it. But we only have the kingdom of the culture, the, ki- the culture of the kingdom. Sorry, got it backwards. Spanish happening. So we have the culture of the kingdom coming through us to the community instead of my way of thinking about politics, my way of thinking about government, my way of thinking about my family, my way of thinking about finances. You see, now I can just come forth and I can let the word flow. And so that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do, because that's what this prostitute did. This prostitute, she went totally against the culture. I mean, guys, ladies, she, you know, you, we have somebody coming here that, that's from that life. And the natural thing is to kind of look and go, okay. I mean, that's, that's the natural thing that happens. But in that day, she could have been stoned. I mean, in that day, it was culturally totally unaccepted for her to be found among the righteous among the clean. It was culturally unacceptable for her to come in among men. So she could have been in real big trouble for what she did. But she didn't care. Why did she not care about the culture? Why did she not care about what everybody was about to say about her? Why did she not care about coming before Jesus and sharing with him what his, what her heart was saying? I'm broken. It's because she was broken. Hello. <laughs> she was already broken. She, she had already opened her heart. So that alabaster box, when she takes it, and she breaks it open before the Lord, and she breaks everything, and she says, I'm giving my promises. I'm giving my life. I'm giving my past. I'm giving my future. I'm giving my present. No matter what happens to me right now, I know that I have given all to him. I know that I have given all to him. And then we have another situation. I'd like to go over here to to Mark. Mark chapter 5. If I can get my iPad to cooperate with me. All right, here we go. We have another broken situation. And this one, I think, is probably my favorite. You know, the one that preaches really well is, is the one with the alabaster box. The lady with the alabaster box. But one of the broken situations that we don't consider sometimes is this one. It's the demoniac, the legion of demons. So let's read this. I'm just going to read the end of it. You guys know the story. I'll give a brief overview. Verse 15. After he had been, after the demons were cast out, this man was naked. He was totally naked. He was running among dead people. He was living among skeletons inside of the, inside of the catacombs. And so he comes forth to a, he comes forth to Jesus and the demons come running forth inside of this body of this man. They take control of this man and they come screaming to Jesus. They call him son of God. Jesus cast them out. So verse 15, and they come to Jesus and see him that, and see him that was possessed with the devil. And had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil. And also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of the coast. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed to him, prayed to Jesus, prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit, Jesus suffered him not. Jesus didn't allow him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for you and have compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in the Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all the men did marvel. 
Now, there's a couple of things that I want to go very quickly to with you as a church. First of all, we are all told by Jesus to depart and go into the cities. Just like he did to this demoniac, he told to his disciples that had been accustomed to being with him for three years. He tells his disciples, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. you know, we know the Great Commission. But then we look, even prior to the death and resurrection of Jesus, he was telling this to people, and this guy wasn't even a trained disciple. Hello? He had a few hours with the master. That's it. He was only saved for a couple of hours. I mean, can we even say he was actually saved by the blood? The blood hadn't even been shed yet. I mean, doctrinally, it just, it's out of doctrine. It's out of sync here for just a little bit. It, it breaks the box. It gets us, it'll take our mind outside of our box, okay? I want you to get your mind outside of a box. And I want us to think outside of what is normal. This guy wasn't even completely converted because his heart had not been washed by the blood of the lamb. He had a revelation of who Jesus was. The demons had been cast out. This man had sat at the master's feet for a few hours. And Jesus tells this man to go and tell all of his friends what had just happened. He told this man, go back and I want you to start telling everybody what's happened. It doesn't say he wasn't baptized. It doesn't say he was baptized. All we know is that Jesus stepped outside of the cultural box like he always did. He stepped outside of the cultural box and he used a demon possessed, an ex demon possessed man that just got clothes on him a few hours before that to go out and tell everybody. Now, how many people do you think he told? A lot. Do you know what Decapolis means? Ten cities. Church, he went to ten cities. Do you know how long he had to do that? One year. Because it says the next year, Jesus went back across. The next situation, Jesus is back there. And this is the place where he feeds 5,000. So in one year, this ex-demoniac has reached 10 cities with the gospel. And when this crazy man that casts the demons out, Jesus, when this crazy man comes back to town, you had 5,000 men plus women and children back there to receive. You see, that's missions. You see, that's missionary work. That is going forth with the gospel from where you are to where you are. From where you are to where you are. You see, you don't have to be a studied three-year veteran in a seminary to be able to present the gospel. The best way to present the gospel is you tell your testimony. I'm telling you what, I get down there with these teenagers from the high school and I start telling my testimony, they, they can stand about five, maybe ten minutes of me teaching them. But me and my wife, we invited them out to the church during one of their fitness things. We said, how about, we interrupted the fitness program, we said, how about next week we tell you our love story? You think any of them didn't show up? Every single one of those girls were there. <laughs> every one of those girls from the high school that, that we reach, every single one of them, they brought visitors. They wanted to hear what the testimony was. They wanted to hear about our love story. So we got to tell them our testimony. Just from where we came from as two people. Not as supernatural beings. Not as super spiritual people. Just as one that knew love. And wanted to, to fall in love. I knew the love of Jesus. And that's part of the testimony. Whenever I'm sharing how we fell in love. It's the call of God. And how that call led me to her. So I had the opportunity to share with them the call of God. A supernatural call. A higher calling. A higher way of living. A higher way of loving. To these kids. That their families are falling apart. They're destroyed. They're still connected. They still come. And some of them are now connected to the church. And we've had 18 salvations since the team was there. Now, is that because we have this awesome way of sharing? No, it's because we're sharing. It's not because of the perfect way of sharing. There are a whole lot better preachers than me. There are a whole lot better people 
than, than me and this thing that we're doing. It's just, I do it. I do it. And I've been doing it for 18 years. And if you heard the testimony of, of where we've come from and where we still are, you guys would say, how in the world do you guys have all of that going on? Church, everything you saw were people from our church doing the outreaches. That was people from our church. They're just doing what they do. That's it. Then they don't have to be highly skilled. And church, you don't have to be highly skilled. You have to be passionate. You have to be connected to Jesus. You have to be in submission to your pastors. And you have to connect with people on a daily basis and look for the opportunity. You have to make yourself available to every opportunity you can to have success. One of the best successful, one of the best successes is a good failure. One of the best successes is a good failure. When you learn how to fail forward, man, I didn't know how to share with that guy. Hey, um, uh, Chris, could you, could you uh, tell me, I just now talked to some guy that's messed up and everything. And he said that I could come back and talk to him. What do you think about how should I talk to him? Hey, Pastor Steve, hey, um, I was over here at Walmart and I was praying with this guy. And this demon started showing up and I didn't know what to do. So I just left him there on the floor. What should I do? You know? Okay, maybe not that extreme, but you, you got the point. You might mess up when you're sharing, but you've got to start. Church, you want to see this church grow. You want to see the body of Christ be successful. You want to see the people of Christ growing and moving forward. Then it's one person at a time sharing with one person at a time and beginning to disciple that one person at a time, connecting with that person and staying connected with that person until that person is connected with the church, until they're connected with Christ, and then you have them. You've done the full fishing. You threw out the net. You captured them. You got them in the boat. You cleaned them up, and you filleted them. <laughs> You see, that is what we've got to do as a church. We've got to get out there to the community. We've got to get out there to the community. We've got to share and we've got to make his, famous, his, his name famous. Queiruso. Queiruso. The Greek word for making him famous, for publicizing, for, for publicly telling. Queiruso. All the demon did, all the demoniac did, because we don't have a name, all we know is he was an ex-demoniac. All the ex-demoniac did was go around and tell people what had just happened and the little bit of knowledge that he had. What are you doing? What are you sharing? Are you trying to share theology? Maybe it's time to just share your testimony and how Christ has brought you to him. Maybe it's time to, to share with people who you are. Don't be afraid of your testimony. Don't be afraid of your past. Don't be afraid of your past because as long as your past is not dictating to you your future, there's no reason to be afraid of it. Cut the chains to the past and utilize the past for the glory of Christ. Cut the chains to your past and let that glorify Christ. You see, he has given you keys in the kingdom. Your life opens keys to other people. Your testimony opens keys to the hearts and lives of those around you. And so today, I'd like to make an invitation. I'd like to make an invitation to those that you say, I, I, I've heard this. And yes, you're, you're right. The church is a little bit weird, Pastor. This church thing is different. Yeah, I've been here a couple of times. I've been to different churches. I've heard the name of Jesus. I know the gospel message, but I've never really 100% sold out to it. I've never 100% sold, sold myself out 100%. Yes, I've been to church, but I'm not, I'm not sold out. I want to be sold out. I want to be passionate, but I've made mistakes. And, and I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can, if I can be that person. I don't know if I can answer that calling. You know, we have this, this culture in the United States of, of the call. What's my calling? What has God called me to? You know, we, we hear that a lot. What, what am I called to? Go, preach, teach, baptize. But I'm not a preacher. The word preach is actually keruso. 
It's what the ex-demoniac did. It doesn't say he was highly skilled. He just went around making it famous. He just went around making it famous. People of God, it is our job. It is our calling. It has to be our passion to make Christ's passion known. I don't know if you guys would like to come up here and the, the worship team or if you guys have music back there ready. But I would like to make a, a call to Christ. I would like to make a, a call to Christ here. See, a lot of times we say we're going to make a call to salvation. Today I want to make a call to Christ. You see, Christ receives us as who we are. He received Peter for three years. Peter was vulgar. Peter was in your face. Peter had a bad attitude. John, he was one of the sons of thunder. Oh yeah, we know him as John the Revelator. He was John the Beloved. He was also one of the sons of thunder. That dude had a bad attitude too. You know, we're talking about guys that Christ was able to transform just through the walking. Just through walking real life. And sometimes we say, we, we look at all of the people around us and we say they have it all together. I don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. I'm getting it together. I'm getting it together and I'm working on it. But it ain't all together yet. I don't have all the pieces. I'm one of the pieces. And sometimes I feel like that child that's got the Elmer's glue and trying to glue that puzzle piece together that he ripped. I, sometimes I feel like that puzzle piece. Like I'm part of the puzzle and sometimes I feel like broken a little bit. But you know what? Jesus takes our brokenness and he takes our mistakes and he takes our failures and he takes our culture and he begins to transform it. Be ye therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, God wants to change our minds, the way that we look at things, the way that we've perceived church in the past. And he wants to take us to being the church. He wants us to begin activating church in us. And so today I'd like to make an invitation to you if if you say, Pastor, I've, I don't know Jesus as my personal Savior. I don't know him as, as the Lord of my life. I, I know who he is. And maybe you've even been to church a few times. And, and you say, yeah, I'm part of the church. Maybe you've been here for more than just a few weeks. And you recognize this. But you say, Jesus is not the Lord of my life. I've asked him to save me from my sins, but I've not made him king. I've not made him king. You see, that was the one thing that I can definitely say about this ex-demoniac. He sat at the feet of a king and he made himself a subject to him. He said, I'll serve you. Let me go with you. I'll serve you. And Jesus saw that his heart was right. He may not have had it all together, but he saw his heart was right. You see, Jesus is looking for those. He's looking for those. Just align your heart. So if you're here today and you say, I've not made Jesus the Lord of my life. If you would stand to this morning, if the whole church would stand, the whole church would stand. One of the key things that we have to understand, church, is that there's no embarrassment. If this is your first time or you've only been here a few times, there's no embarrassment when we come to the feet of Jesus. Because what we're doing is we're recognizing that we're just like everybody else in the church. We've had sins. We've made mistakes. And now we're just bringing them to Jesus just like everybody else already has. And so if everybody would bow your heads and close your eyes. If you would raise your hands this morning and say, I recognize I need Jesus to be the Lord of my life. You've not done it before and you say, I want him to be the Lord of my life. This morning, raise your hands. I'd love to pray for you. Amen. I see that hand. You can put it down. Is there anybody else that would raise your hand and say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life for the first time, or I want to give my life back to Jesus? Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. 
And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.